Welcome to the Christian Renewal Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org. Good morning, y'all. So good to be with you. Sherry and I really count this uh, home away from home, a warmer home away from home. We, we, come, we come down to thaw out. I mean, they're still having winter up in Pennsylvania. I don't know what's with that. The, the groundhog this year, Punxsutawney Phil lives right near where we do, and uh, there are more groundhog recipes on Pinterest this year than any other time, because he, you know, so, well, um, if you heard a sigh coming from the north, it was being done with the project, and I, I, uh, I didn't do well in school. I never really liked school. Uh, Sherry graduated uh, summa cum laude, and I graduated thank the laude. <laughs> I think they just wanted me out of there. They just said, get, get rid of this guy. But uh, we felt one day we were driving in our car, and, and Sherry said, what's, what's on your bucket list you haven't done yet? I said, I really have a heart to get into colleges where things have drifted away from their roots and, and into seminaries to, to be able to talk to leaders. But, but I said, but, you know, I can't. I don't have the, you know, you've got to have this degree thing to get, get in the door. And with that, Randy Clark, our friend Randy Clark, and, and Tom Jones, not the singer, but his, his, uh, but he, uh, his assistant called us on the phone and, and uh, said, Dave, the Lord's given us this connection with a Methodist, United Methodist Seminary in Dayton, Ohio that's opening up the doors to things of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're working with them to get people in the doctoral program. Would you like to? Now, it's been 19, 1981 was the last I was in school. So it, there's a lot of rust in, up in here. And, and, uh, but the Lord gave a grace. And uh, um, he, so I, I did my whole project on women and men leading together in the local church. Because this is an hour that we can't see half the body paralyzed or limited. And uh, we're, what the Lord led me to is, uh, there is a, there's a thing called biblical feminism that says if you've got a man in some place, you've got to put a woman in. And I just think that's silly to think we have to do it just, just to kind of balance everything out. What the Lord led me to is the church is moving from being gender biased to being gift-based. And if someone's got a gift and a calling, whether they're a man or a woman, because he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh, whether it's a man or a woman, they should be in that place serving and ministering because of their gift, not because of their gender. And so I, I believe it's an hour we're going to see the whole body released. And, and I'm excited about it. And so the Lord's uh, stirring me to write it into a book and to uh, encourage folks. And, you know, I, I got to a couple years ago... A, I, I've been connecting with Mennonites, and I'm not a Mennonite. I, I like Chrome, and uh, and and <laughs> so, but uh, this door opened up to minister in Mennonite churches, and there's a whole there's a network right now. It's 35 plus growing of Mennonite churches that have experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and with the blessing of their bishop, they formed their own fellowship. And so a bunch of us are advisors to that 
fellowship, one of my friends called me and he said, would you be willing to preach on Mother's Day? I said, sure. And he said, now, would you be willing to talk about women in, in ministry with men? I said, have you ever shared anything about it? He said, oh, no, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot <laughs> pole. But you can come on in and do it and then run. So I, I went on that Mother's Day. Sherry and I were there, and then he told me that morning, he said, now, by the way, there's an Amish church that the pastor just experienced a baptism in the Holy Spirit and actually got saved, too. Because I mean, a lot of Amish, it's a very, it's a rule thing, but they don't know Jesus. And so he said, this Amish pastor and his whole congregation are going to be here, too. So he sprung that on me at the last minute. So, and sure enough, I got up, and there they were, the hats, the, the beards, the men, the beards, and, and, and the... the <laughs> And so there, there, there they were, just want to be clear. And, and so I, I shared, I shared my heart. I said that our father from the beginning, when he created us, wanted, let them rule, let, let men and women, let my, my sons and my daughters move together in ministry. And at the end, uh, the pastor came and he said, now the Amish pastor wants to talk to you in the back. And I, I was a little bit scared, but I knew they're pacifists. So they... <laughs> They wouldn't, you know, but they had mules and stuff. I didn't know what they'd do, you know, drag me behind a buggy or something. I didn't know what, what would go on. But I got back there, and, and there was the pastor, and, and I assumed his wife, and a whole number of men and women. They were kind of in a semicircle, and they were all crying. And he said, I just apologize to my wife and to all the women in our church for using the Bible to keep them from speaking, sharing. They, they, didn't, they didn't even allow women to, to share or teach or stand in front. They wouldn't have allowed Susan to, to stand and do what she did today. There wouldn't have been no room for that. He said, we just repent. I just repented. To, so there's, there's a move of the Spirit going on among the Amish. There's a move of the Spirit among the, among the Mennonites. It's just so. Well, we're thrilled for y'all that, you, that you've, you've found... Uh, the, the couple that the Lord has been preparing for you. And I know, I know waiting time can be tough, you know, but there's, you gain, you don't lose. When you wait on the Lord, you gain new strength. And waiting on, there's something that you've gained in this house, in the way of strength that you don't even know yet, but you're going to see it. What He's got in store for you is so so amazing. And you know, it may feel like, wow, do we get set back a little? Well, kind of like an arrow being pulled back. And the farther you pull it back, the farther it goes. So he's, he's launching you. And I, I really appreciate your eldership. Is, they're amazing. They're amazing company men. And, and, and Bill and Sue have, have just been the gift from the Lord for this transition period. Amazingly for you. Yay. And uh, we're going to get to meet Pastor Caleb and Haley this week. So we're looking forward to connecting with them. And I wanted to, uh, the Lord, you know, when we connected a little bit a while ago, when I said, hey, we're coming down, you don't, you're not obligated to have, have me share at all. We just love to be with you all. But Susa, could you share? And the Lord, the Lord uh, brought this song to me to sing over you. 
And so even hearing today about the Lord singing, I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not, not saying I'm the Lord singing over you at, at all. But I, I felt to, I felt to share, to sing something over y'all today. And then I, I have a, I have a word I want to share. So.
in the Bible means better than it was before. Not just kind of up to par, but better than it was before. So that's what he's doing. So, well, I appreciated Micah and the team and their worship today. It's a wonderful, wonderful time of inter- an interchange. Re- really an interchange with the Lord. And so uh, I uh, just love that. We sang and we didn't talk. I just met Micah today, but we sang what the Lord put on my heart a couple months ago. We sang about dry bones living again, and that's what the Lord put on my heart to share with you today. So if you, uh, there in Ezekiel, if you can uh, find Ezekiel in your Bible, and I, I stopped listening for rustling pages because more people are doing it on their phones, at least they're, they're scrolling, they're telling me they're going, getting back to the original because it was written on it scroll in the beginning so it's so that that they're actually so so i'm getting used to the millennials in our church that are you know doing more of that i'm a perennial we look like we're going to die every year but we come back again you know so 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 we're (laughs) sorry about that just so but I think it's a day for the perennials and the millennials to work together, the older and the young. And the kingdom of God is old and new treasures. You know, and they're, they're priceless treasures um, both ways. You know, and I love it. I really love it. So there's a grace on this house. You're going you're gonna to model what older and younger working together look like. You're really going to model that. 
you know, old men dream dreams, not because we sleep more, but we just actually, it actually, it means for those of us that are older, it means that, that we have a sense of longevity. Like David, when he said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. There's this, there's this stability, but there's this youthful zeal that, that's coming in and, and just get ready. You're, you're going to be moving places and going places you never thought you'd, do, you'd go before. And your youth is going to be renewed like the eagle too. You're going to, you're going to get a new, a new youthfulness in your spirit. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing, I'll get to this in a minute, but I, I just have to say, uh, you know, in, 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 in the vision that Ezekiel received of the, of the river coming upon the temple and then flowing out of the temple, the farther it went out from the temple, the deeper the water was and the more life and healing happened. And so y'all are going to gather. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have wonderful times here together in, in your homes and when you meet together. But you're going to see a powerful anointing when you're out among people and an openness and a readiness to receive the kingdom, to receive a touch from the Lord. And you'll actually come back here with more stories of what's happened out there than people out there talking about what's happened in here. So it's, it's really, it's, gonna be, it's a great day. It's a, it's a good, good day, you know. So Ezekiel 37, verse 1. I love this first phrase. It appears seven times in the book of Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And, and it meant hand speaks of the power of God. The power of the Lord came on me and he moved through me is what that means. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put my breath in you and you'll come to life. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life. They stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I'll settle you in your own land. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord, that I, the Lord, have spoken and I've done it, declares the Lord. Yay. Love the word. Bless the word of the Lord. Lord, accomplish in us today 
what you purpose to do in, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, just a couple things about this. First, a little bit about the history. Uh, when Ezekiel had this vision, uh, Israel was not in a good place. Now, Israel had been in a good place. Under the reign of King David, they had peace on all borders. All of their enemies were defeated. They, have no, they had no threat of the enemy coming against them. And David, during David's reign, he established the tabernacle of David where people had access 24-7 for 40 years to the presence of the Lord. His tent, his tabernacle was like one big holy of holies. They didn't have to go through the priest. They, had, they just directly ride into the holy of holies. And he had thousands of worship leaders and worship teams, musicians and worship leaders and the Psalms were written by David and his worship teams during that time. And that was when Israel became the joy of the whole earth. It was just, it was this amazing day. But things went south after that and, and, and Israel divided. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. They divided. And then, and then the Assyrians took the north captive. And the Babylonians beat up the south three times and took them into captivity. And when Ezekiel got this revelation from the Lord, most of Israel was dead. The few that remained were the strong ones were slaves in Babylon. So things were not in a good place. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, just a couple verses after we finished reading today, He said, I want you to take two sticks. One's going to represent the northern kingdom, one's the southern kingdom. I want you to tie them together. Because I'm going to re- restore this division. I'm going to I'm going to bring them back together, make them one. So he did that. And he said, "I want you to declare that they're coming back to the land." Well, they came back to the land twice. Once, almost 200 years before Jesus came, it's like 164 BC. They came. They came. Israel came back, but they were still divided. But then 70 years ago. In our day, 70 years ago, 1948, Israel came back, united. First time. The the fulfillment of the prophecy that God had given to Ezekiel happened 70 years ago. They came back to their land and the division was gone. And I just want to take a little side trip here. I pray a lot for the suddenlies of the Lord. You pray for God to do suddenlies in your life. Frequently, the suddenlies are preceded by steadilies. And see, we like the suddenlies to happen suddenly, but they don't always happen as suddenly as we think they should happen. But there is a steadily, and I have found it gets hardest just before fulfillment. It gets darkest just before the dawn breaks. So I want to, this is just a rabbit trail to encourage some of you. You've been holding out for family members to get saved and for things to have breakthrough in your city and your church and other places. Don't quit and don't give up. And just because a setback has come doesn't mean you're, you're, you're done. I, I don't know of any battle that's not won without some skirmishes along the way that try to, try to take your, your zip away and try to take your zeal away. So that's what he prophesied. But the, here's what, what I wanted to share with you today. The Lord's given you, you and I, He's given us new eyes to see from His perspective. This is a day of new eyes. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, what do you see? And then in verse 2, 
He said, I saw. Some versions say he caused me to see. I like that one better. Not just because it fits with the sermon. I just think it's a better, I think it's a better, it's a little more accurate. God caused me to see in a new way. He, he opened my eyes that I could see. Now, when God opened his eyes to see, he said, what do you see? What's the problem? And we, I think we really need to hear this. It is not a lack of faith to admit that there's a problem. It's not a lot. When I, when I was in the cancer ward a number of years ago, uh, somebody gave me a book, uh, Fake It Till You Make It. I thought, I don't think I'm going to like that book. And I started to read a couple chapters, and I really didn't like that book. Because faith is not faking it. Faith is facing it. Abraham was given a promise that he'd be the father of, of, of a nation, and nations would come from him. He was at an age where childbearing was not in the picture any longer. He didn't fake it. I love Romans 5. It says he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. But he remembered the one who had made a promise. And the one whose promises are greater than the fact that I faked. It is not, we don't have to ignore facts. So the Lord said to Ezekiel, what do you see? He said, I see a valley and it's full. It's full of dry bones. It's full of bones. It's lifelessness and hopelessness was everywhere. Okay? Take a closer look at the bones. They're very dry. They, very dry meant no natural hope of recovery whatsoever. It's, it's over. It's gone. And when the Lord said to him, what do you see? He was stirring up within him expectancy that looked beyond the moment and looked beyond the, 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 the problem. And he asked him this question, can these bones live? And how many of you found out when God asks a question, it's not because he's short on information, you know, or, or he's clueless. He knows, he knows the end from the beginning. But he's trying to stir something up inside of us. He teaches, like Jesus taught a lot with questions, to stir something up inside. He said, can these bones live? He was calling him. I'm bringing you to a new place where you see beyond the moment and you see what I can do. And then he said, okay, you're not just going to stand there looking at him. I want you to say something. And it's important that we learn how to move not by our brain, but by our spirit. Because our spirit connected to the Holy Spirit will have a much more accurate perception of what's going on than our brain will. Our brain, I don't know about y'all, but my brain plays tricks on me at times. And the Lord's bringing us to a new place where our go-to position when there's a problem is not panic, but peace. And we don't go to try to solve it on our own, but we go to what has God promised and what has God said, because that will override and trump anything our brain can ever think of. When I had a bunch of doctors looked at me and said, Dave, get ready, you know, get your, get your funeral prepared, and, you know, you're, it's, all, it's all she wrote. It's, you know, you're over, you're done with. And they were concerned about me because I wasn't depressed. They actually sent a psychiatrist into my room because I wasn't depressed. He said, we're concerned about you. Your social worker told me to come. You're not, you're not depressed. I said, so you're trying, 
I thought you, I thought they, I thought people pay psychiatrists to get people undepressed. You're trying to get me depressed so you feel better about it. He's, he's, he shut the door in my room and he gave me a pillow and he said, "Okay, I tell you what. I know you're a pastor, and I know you feel like you got to, you know, you know, keep it together for everybody." But right now, door's shut. No one will ever know what's going on in here. This pillow is God. I want you to treat this pillow like you want to treat God right now. I want you to express to you. You can cuss at him. You can throw him across the room. You can do whatever you want to. Right now, you can let go. And I'll never, that'll, that's going to be part of your healing. I said, so, I said, so, okay, let me get this straight. I'm me. Yes, you're you. Okay, and this pillow is God. Okay, you, you express to him what you feel right now. I took the pillow and I just sunk my face into it and I held it. I just said, I love you. I trust you. I don't understand. I feel really sick right now. I don't like cancer, but I love you. And I know you've got, you got power greater than cancer. If you want to take me home, I know you've got that right to do. I'd rather hang around for a while, but I trust you. Put the pillow down. I don't know what he wrote on his tablet. I think he put, this guy is certifiably nuts. He's never, you know, he's, he's hopeless. But I, I will tell you, there is something that God gives us in the middle of trials that that sustains you, that causes you to prevail. And so he said, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy to these bones. And the word prophecy in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word means something that bubbles up inside of you. Comes like comes alive, like a like an artesian well. It bubbles up inside of you and then it bubbles forth and you you end up saying it. And I will tell you, there are things God will give you to bubble up and say that bypass your brain. Understanding is overrated. <laughs> Ask Adam if he had do-overs, tree of knowledge or the tree of life. You know, it's, it's under, we, leaning on our own understanding is, 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 is not the best way to go. And he said, start to declare what, what's bubbling up inside of you. And uh, he said, what do you hear? He said to, to Ezekiel, what do you hear? The, the Hebrew word for hear is shama. I love this word. It means to be present with his presence. It doesn't just mean what thought popped into our mind. It means being present to the presence of God. And by being present to the presence of God, there are things he imparts. And then he said to him, I want you to prophesy to the breath. The word for breath is ruach. It's the word spirit, the word for the Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't say go tell the Holy Spirit what to do. He said, cue into what the Holy Spirit is saying and say what He says. That's what confessing, confessing means to say the same thing as God is saying. And so, cue into what's the Holy Spirit saying and declare it. And so He declared it and He watched and you saw it. The knee bone connected to the shin bone. Everything got all together. But suddenly this pile of lifeless, hopeless, a dead, decimated army turned into a... The word is vast, which means you can't number it. It's, it's unnumerable. It's, it's this vast army stood on its feet. It's such a picture of what God can do when He restores. Now, now flash forward 500 years from this moment. 500 years later, Jesus walked on the same ground that Ezekiel was standing on. Now Israel came back, but then between the time of Ezekiel and the restoration, Israel came back to the land. And Jesus, the Romans, came in and started oppressing Israel once again. You get beat up enough times, you can start to want to give up. 
And a friend of mine, a, a Messianic rabbi, David Chernoff, told me that there are promises in the Gospels that we as Gentiles assume it's all for us personally. And, and they are personal words. But he said there are a bunch of words that are corporate words that you need to take them in light of their, of their original intent. He said to me that when Jesus in Matthew thirteen forty four said, my kingdom's coming back to this land. Buy the field. Get the treasure. It wasn't just a word about looking at a person and finding the treasure inside of them. He said he was saying once again, invest. Don't quit. Don't give up. Okay, you feel like the Assyrians, the Babylonians, now the Romans. It's never going to happen. It's never going to come. He said, no, 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 no. Invest in this land. He was speaking over Israel. He said, invest in this land. And there's a treasure here. And my kingdom's going to come. There's a move of the Spirit happening in Israel right now that's not making it to CNN. It's not necessarily even made it to the Fox News yet. But there's a move of the Holy Spirit going on in Israel right now where lots and lots of people are coming to know Jesus as their Messiah. And I believe we're going to see that. And, in, and, and if the rejection, Romans 11 says, if Israel rejecting the gospel opened the door for us as Gentiles to come to know Jesus, imagine what's going to happen in the world when Israel receives Jesus as their Messiah. There's going to be an even greater outpouring than we've ever seen. So Jesus is saying, don't throw in the towel. Don't quit, no matter how it looks. Don't give up. God's on the move. And throughout His earthly ministry, Jesus constantly was doing miracles, not just to bless one person, but it was a sign and a wonder to point to what He, he can do and what He's even doing today. Greater works, He said, than He did, we're going to do. And I love so many stories, but one of my favorite stories of restoration talk about dry bones coming to life, is in John 9, I'll just, just, just run through it real quick. They found a man who was blind from birth. Now in Israel at that time, if you were blind from birth, the assumption was you were cursed. And you had sinned or somebody in your family had sinned and the curse was on you and you were shamed. And when a blind person, much like someone with leprosy, if a blind person came by, people were almost obligated to spit on that person as a sign of derision and, you know, you got what you deserved. So they came upon a man who was blind from birth and the disciples said, okay, who sinned, this man or his parents? Because that was the common mentality. And Jesus said, neither. Now, the next thing he said was, I'm going to demonstrate the heart of my God. I'm going to demonstrate the heart and power of my Father. Some people have interpreted that verse to mean the man was made blind by God to teach him a lesson. And it's just not true. God doesn't give us disease or sickness to teach us things. He gives the Holy Spirit to teach us things. And the Holy Spirit can teach us stuff in the middle of any other stuff. So God didn't give him this blindness. But he said, I'm going to demonstrate the power of God. And then what Jesus did, he spit. Can you imagine what went through the mind of the blind man? He was waiting for something to hit. And the very, the very act that was used to, to marginalize him, to curse him, to, to keep him locked into where he was, 
Jesus used that very act to form mud and do a creative miracle. And his eyes were open and he could see. It's, he's a restoring God. It's vital that we don't write anybody off. Too young, too old, too this, too that, too far gone. There's nobody too far gone. By the field. It's dirty. Yep. But there's treasure in that there dirt. A couple things I just wanted to wrap up with today. This one, when God sees people, he sees them in light of their destiny, not in light of their problems. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your spirit and see people through his eyes. You start to treat them differently. In fact, I just love to treat everybody like they know Jesus, even if they don't yet. Just talk to them like they know Jesus, even if they don't know him yet. Not, you know, not dropping these little code things so we say, okay, you know, if they don't pick up on blessed, you know, if they don't pick up on the certain little words and you know, then, oh, now I can relax and be loving to you. No, just be loving. To, just love people. Just, it makes it so much easier. It simplifies life. Just love them all. Right where they're at. Just, just love them all. My, my son-in-law loves our city of Harrisburg. And, and he's, uh, he's been walking through the streets of Harrisburg. He's, he, this year he's starting a dream center with a number of other people connected to the Dream Center in Los Angeles and a network of others. And he's got already about nine ministries connected to the Dream Center in Harrisburg. And he just he loves the people. And there's, and there's, there's this army raising up. Talk about it, an army come. There's this army rising up out of the dry bones of, of many churches. There's this army coming forth to love on our city. But a couple years ago, my son-in-law was playing basketball with some guys and the Lord dropped the word on his heart. He said, this guy that you're playing with, he's, he's a pastor tell him so uh when uh, when they were taking a smoke break not my son but but the other guys are taking a smoke break they're standing around and and my son-in-law uh, richie went over to this guy and and he, and he started to talk now here's another thing about about sharing a word from the lord it bubbles up and more comes it, you know there's you know so he just he just gave what he had he said he said hey do you care for you care for people don't you he said i really do he said, I feel like you're a really compassionate person. I really do. And then this word, this impression comes to Richie. He said, well, you know, I see you. I see a picture of you with your brother and sister. And I see your mom and dad passed out on sofas because they're, you know, they're, 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 they're incapacitated through their addictions. But you're taking care of your younger brother and your younger sister. He said, who's been talking to you? He said, well, actually, God's been talking to me about you. And God... God just showed me that the way you care for your brother and sister, you're going to care for other people. In fact, you know what? You're called to be a pastor. And he said, he said you know what? I, I, I think that's right. He said, there's one problem. I don't know Jesus yet. <laughs> See, <laughs> I mean, listen, the Lord of the harvest said the fields are ripe. That's the Lord of the harvest. He's not hyping, us, hyping it up. It's true. And so he said right there, you know, right there, they prayed, you know. He said, he said I guess I have to stop smoking. He said, who told you that? Well, I guess Christians don't smoke. He said, you know, don't stop smoking because Christians don't smoke. Stop doing it if God tells you. 
you know? You know? One of my friends had a guy come to Jesus in this church, and he said, I guess I'm going to have to stop smoking. He said, no, 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 you don't have to. Don't let's, just, just do what God tells you. It'll kill you. You know, it won't make you go to hell. It'll just make you go to heaven quicker if, if you know, you want. But, uh, you know, you don't need to stop smoking yet. You know, just, just see what God tells you. So he said about a couple months later, the guy came in and hugged him. And then he hugged him again. Then he hugged him again and said, smell me. He said, this is weird. He said, no, no, smell me. He said, what, what do you smell? He said, I don't smell smoke. Smoke on. He said, that's right. He said, Jesus told me I don't need that anymore. He said, he'd give me another way to comfort my nerves, and I don't have to do that. But that was because Jesus did it, not because somebody tried to clean him up or make him act Christian, you know. So, so. Father's goal for us is that we see as he does. And he sees everything as not impossible. There's no thing impossible. He wants us to look at difficult situations and see they're, they're possible. And uh, just this last thing. The Bible is filled with the history of people who were messy. You can tell the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible because we would have cleaned it up. And he's got people in there, raw and rough and rugged and rough and tumble, you know. I, mean, I don't know if you realize in your Bible, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, but a couple cha- chapters back, he cussed. We would have put him in time out for 10 years before we let... You ain't going near a microphone till you clean up your mouth. And, but, so I just took a, put a little list together. Doesn't matter to God where people were from, what they did to themselves, what other people did to them, where they, what they used to be, to be used mightily of him. Abraham, everybody said he's too old. Job was bankrupt. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah, people thought, was too young. Jonah was a coward. Martha had OCD. (laughs) Elijah was suicidal. Moses couldn't talk. The woman at the well was divorced four times. Jacob was a liar and a cheat. Naomi was a penniless widow. Zacchaeus was corrupt. Joseph was abused and had PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Gideon was paranoid. Noah was, had substance abuse. David committed adultery and was involved in murder. Peter denied Jesus three times. The twelve were divided among themselves and they were faithless. And Paul was a religious terrorist who hated Christians and persecuted them. And yet God used all of them. How dry are the bones? Can they live? <laughs> you, you better believe it. So I'll tell you what I heard this morning to tell y'all. He's giving you hinds feet for the high places. Now hinds feet are the feet that a mountain goat would have. And if you or I tried to climb up a steep, steep hill, we'd, we'd be struggling. And they just boop, 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 go right up. I believe the Lord's giving you a supernatural capacity to get to the high place and quickly get to God's perspective, to look at things from his vantage point and not have to struggle to get up the hill so, so, so hard. To quickly come, quickly come to that place of what is God saying. So I want to read this over you, and I'm going to ask uh, Micah and the worship team come on up. But I want to read this over you from the Passion Translation. 
Y'all ever hear the Passion Translation? Brian Simmons. This is from Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And especially, I want to declare it over you as a church because I believe you're going to come, you're going to come into your name more than you ever have before. Renewal. You're going to see lots and lots of people get renewed. You're going to be renewed, but a lot of people are going to be renewed. And you're, you're, you're coming into your, you're coming into your, your, your destiny. Uh, but if you're, if you're here and you've been, you've been standing for something and you just get weary, or you stood and thought it would turn out one way and it didn't turn out that way, the Lord's moving by His Spirit today to encourage us. And to and with his wind to move discouragement and disappointment out of our system, cause us to trust again at a new level. Okay, so here's a, I just declare this over you. It's Philippians one nine to eleven. I will finish the beautiful work I've begun in you. I've made you into my holy dwelling place. I've cleansed your heart and made you pure in my eyes. My holiness lives in you, for my spirit lives in you. When you allow me to fill you over and over, there's no evil that can touch you. When I reign as king of your life, your heart becomes the chamber room of my glory. And I will finish the beautiful work I've begun in you. Holiness is not a work or something you can produce. It doesn't originate with man, but it's a flow of my spirit within you. And what I cleanse... I fill, and what I fill is made holy. Remember how I've worked in your life through your journey with me. I strengthened you in weakness and held you in your pain. Many times I've lifted you higher and redeemed your days, filling them with joy. Never forget, my children, I will finish the beautiful work I've begun in you. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon. Be sure to visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org for more resources.